toleration be the love before pride and exaltation be the love be the love you are listening to be the love to awaken our souls we are souls on the journey and our mission is to awaken all humans to a higher state of consciousness and live vibrantly as spiritual beings We are here to open up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey. And we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. This is Adrienne Elise of the Supernova Soul Tribe. This is Nicholas David Mann. Namaste. My name is Nistella Joy Davy. This is Ron Interpreter, and you're listening to Be the Love Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Be the Love to Awaken Our Souls. Thank you so much again for tuning in this week. I'm Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey with our special guest, Lion Goodman. We are your co-hosts and souls on the journey. And we are on a mission to raise the consciousness of humans and the planet, and we need your help. Please spread the word to your family and friends and join us every week. Consider becoming a Patreon supporter or a sponsor to help us with the operating costs like editing and the many, many hours we spend creating these shows with quality guests and content. And if you have resonated with our mission, support us in a way that raises your vibration to love. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to invite you to get centered with us. I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth releasing anything that is keeping you from being present. And take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy, and breathing out anything you are ready to release in this now moment. And take one more breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself. And imagine breathing that light and love and send it back to all of humanity, remembering that you always, always have your breath to come back to. If you haven't heard, we at Be The Love Podcast are so excited to announce the Awaken Your Soul Costa Rica retreat on November 6th through the 12th, 2023 at the Magical Sunshine Sanctuary a jungle boutique in the Montezuma Bay area. Our women's spiritual retreat is designed to raise your vibration with yoga, meditation, cacao ceremony, ecstatic dance, sound healing, a deep dive soul journey with ocean energy, and authentic Costa Rican cuisine. We would absolutely love to have you join us in this beautiful location and experience. This is an intimate group setting with very limited availability. Check out the webpage with details and registration in our show notes. Register now for early bird pricing through May 1st, and we can't wait to connect with you. Our guest today is Lion Goodman. He is a transformational coach, author, healer, and teacher. And at the age of 26, a lion was shot in the head four times. This near-death experience kickstarted his five decades of research into the nature of consciousness, developmental psychology, spirituality, and healing. He created the Clear Beliefs Method of Trauma-Informed Therapy Coaching, which he has taught to more than 500 teachers, healers, coaches, and therapists around the world. His training is accredited by both the International Coaching Federation and Association for Coaching. Lyon has taught workshops and trainings around the world and has authored five books, including Creating on Purpose, Clear Your Clients' Limiting Beliefs, and Menlightenment. He is a co-author of a new book, Transforming Trauma, with Joe Vitale, Marcy Schminoff, John Demartini, and Christy Whitman. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Lion. Thank you. It's really great to be here. And tell us a little bit about your journey and what has led you down this spiritual path. 
Well, I like to begin by saying that I was born at a very early age. And uh, so, and that was the beginning, right? We all go through that stage of trying to figure out who we are and what the world is. And looking back and understanding the nature of beliefs, I understand that from the very beginning, I was trying to put the world together, trying to fit, figure out what it was that enabled me to survive or thrive. And of course, those patterns built into built themselves up into a personality and a way of living and a response to the world and response to other people. And because of my circumstances, I was pretty much a loner. I looked at other kids. I didn't feel like I was part of them. So I've been an observer for as long as I can remember, an observer of human beings and what they're doing and trying to figure out why they're doing what they're doing and how they're doing it and how they feel so comfortable doing it when I was very uncomfortable for most of my childhood. And that led me to a path of exploration. That led me to a path of exploration of myself and other people. Um, I was introduced to reincarnation at a very early age by my father. Um, and so I began reading a book on reincarnation when I was 12. And I realized, oh yeah, I remember that. And I saw so that kind of reawakened my understanding of what we're here for and how we're how we evolve <clears throat> then i got interested in psychic phenomenon and began practicing telepathy and that kind of thing with my girlfriend at the age of 13 uh, and so i've been a, an explorer for a really long time uh, and when i got to college i met my first great teacher who said all knowledge can be applied to yourself so if you're studying history you're studying the history of yourself if you're studying psychology you're studying your own psychology physics, it's the physics of your body. So I got interested in really everything about humanity uh, in college, and I graduated with a degree in consciousness studies in 1975, which I think was the first such degree granted. I haven't found anyone with an earlier one. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, But uh, unfortunately, there was nobody hiring people with degrees in consciousness studies at the time. Uh, so I went on the road selling stuff so I could make a living. And I traveled for about uh, a year and a half doing that, calling on stores and selling my wares. And because I was a good Samaritan, I would stop and help people along the way whose cars had broken down or needed a change of tire. And when I was uh, driving from Las Vegas to LA through the Mojave Desert, there was a fellow whose car had broken down in the middle of the desert. It was about 110 degrees outside. So I stopped and said, can I help you? And um, he said, I just put $200 into her and she won't start and I don't know what to do. And I said, well, I'm heading into LA. Do you want to ride? And he looked at me kind of funny and he said, yeah, okay. And he brought his duffel bags and, and suitcases into my van. It was like an RV van. And we ended up traveling together for about three days. And I grew to trust him and sent him on errands um, and you know get, get the car gassed up and move some move stuff around and the third night we were camped out in the middle of nowhere and um i was in the back of the van moving things around in the cabinets and he was in the front of the van listening to music and suddenly there was an explosion and something hit me in the head <clears throat> and i thought maybe the gas stove had exploded so i looked up and it was intact and i looked to my left and there he was with a gun pointed at my head from the front of the van uh, and I realized that I'd been shot. Uh, oh. And at that moment, I thought, okay, well, he's warning me. He wants to take my stuff, take it all. Like my first instinct was like, sure, take it all. Leave me naked outside. That's fine. Go <laughs> take, take all this stuff I've got and just like go with it, you know, go have a good time. Um, but then he shot again. Uh, and the second bullet missed me by a fraction of an inch. Uh, and I realized this is not a warning. He's going to kill me. I was 26 years old at the time, uh, kind of a hippie salesman, a little bit lost, not sure what I was going to do next. And I really didn't know what to do. I thought maybe I'd go to medical school, like with my original intention, or go get a PhD in psychology. But I really couldn't figure out what my future was. And at that moment, I realized, oh, that's why I couldn't figure out my future, because I don't have one. I'm going to be dead. This is the end of the road for me. So I thought, okay, if I'm going to die, I want to die clean. I don't want to die with anger or upset or leftover stuff. So I rapidly went through my past and asked forgiveness for all those that, that I had hurt. 
forgave all those who'd hurt me. And then I, he shot again. And uh, the third bullet also missed me by a fraction of an inch. And by this time, I thought, okay, well, I'm ready to go. And so I'm going up into source and feeling filled with that golden love light that is source. Uh, and uh, I was out of my body looking down at this van with these two little creatures doing this little thing down there, which was amusing, <laughs> to say the least. And uh, I was ready to go home. I said, okay, I'm, I'm ready. This is it. You know, this is the end of the road. So might as well be welcomed you know, by source. And then he shot again. And the fourth bullet knocked my head over to the side. And, and I was suddenly in my body, blood rushing down. I was, in my, I was back in my body, blood rushing down. Uh, and I thought, well, that's weird. I'm supposed to be out of my body, but here I am in my body. Mm. And so I started checking my systems because I was very aware of myself. I had studied physiology and anatomy and, and dance. And so I was very aware of myself. And I was checking all the systems saying, you know, what's missing? Because if the bullet had gone through my brain, it must have disrupted something. But I couldn't find anything wrong with me other than my head hurt a lot. Uh, and I was bleeding. So I, I thought, well, okay, if I'm going to die, I at least want to look my assassin in the eyes. And so I picked up my head and I turned and I looked at him and he freaked out. And he said, why aren't you dead, man? You're supposed to be dead. And I didn't have a good answer for that question. So I just said, here I am. Cause I was still filled with his love light. Just, you know, I was in this very spacious place. And then he said, it's too weird, man. It's too weird. It's just like my dream. And I said, what dream? And he said, I had a dream this morning. I was shooting at this guy and he wouldn't die, but it wasn't you. It was somebody else. And I, that moment I thought, this is weird. <laughs> Who's writing this script? And how did I get into this movie without signing a contract? <laughs> wow. That was my sense at the moment. <laughs> uh, and I thought, oh, okay, this is strange. Um, and so I thought if I could keep him talking, maybe he wouldn't shoot me again. And so I began speaking very slowly to him and he kept saying, shut up, shut up. And he, he, he came over and he was looking at me and looking at all the blood flowing out of my, out of my head. Um, and, and he said, why aren't you dead, man? I shot you four times. You ought to be dead. And I said, maybe I'm not supposed to die. And he said, yeah, but I shot you, man. I shot you. And he was all adrenalated and jumping around. So I just stayed very quiet and peaceful the way I actually was already. I was just in that peaceful place of equanimity. Uh, and eventually, I, I just slowly talked to him and tried to talk him down out of his adrenalated state. And to cut a very long story short, uh, we spent the next eight hours talking and conversing about his life and my life and life and death and, you know, his history and my history and, you know, trying to find a way out. Because at one point, he got very concerned and he said, OK, I'm going to take you to a hospital I know. And I thought, okay, well, this is good shift. You know, he's gone from wanting to kill me to caring about me. Uh, and then he drove for a while, then he stopped the van and he came back with a gun in his hand. He said, I can't take you to the hospital, man. I have to kill you. And I said, oh, why is that? <laughs> I'd stay curious. And he said, because if, if, if I take you to the hospital, they'll put me back in jail. I can't go back to jail then. And I thought, ah. Not only am I dealing with a crazy person with a gun, but I'm dealing with a crazy ex-con with a gun. <laughs> that kind of elevated <laughs> the, the conversation. And so I thought, well, maybe I don't have to go. Maybe I won't turn you in. Or maybe they won't. Any, sorry, that ensued another whole conversation um, about how can, we, how can we end this without him going to jail and without me being killed. So um, eight hours later, we came to an agreement. Uh, and that agreement was is that I would not turn him in. And he would never do anything like that again. Hmm. And we shook on it. And I gave him some money and stuff that I had that I thought he could pawn and took him to a place he knew. And he walked out near a bus stop and with all of his stuff. And I, <clears throat> I shook his hand and said goodbye. And he looked at me really strangely. Earlier, he had looked at me and said, man, you are the weirdest person I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably will be the worst, weirdest person you ever meet. Um, and I drove myself to the hospital and the doctor was sewing up my scalp and he said, uh, what happened? And I told him, he said, you're a lucky man. Two bullets glanced off your skull. And uh, 
I thought, well, it's not luck. It's being blessed. I'm a blessed man. Mm. So, so that changed my life, obviously, um, you know, in terms of beliefs, which is my specialty, the, the biggest belief that shifted is that I, you know I'm clearly not my body because I was out of my body and fully conscious with this kind of 360 degree view of life um, so that really reinitiated my whole passion about consciousness and spirituality mm. and uh, strangely after that my next step was I needed a job so I became a headhunter which I thought was ironic after having my head <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was my career for 25 years and then I then I switched to coaching and teaching. Wow, that is amazing story. Just, I mean, just really profound at how you were able to really connect with that. Um, you know, well, it sounds like yeah, you were you brought into that that energy of the the afterlife and felt that peace and and all that forgiveness from from your life, but then able to talk him through saving your life as well, or, or bringing you to the hospital, not carrying through with, you know, his original plan. That's yeah. Wow. Um, I know I'm almost speechless. I know. That. I'm like, I have never heard of a near death experience. I've, I've read many of them on book, but it's usually like, oh, I was floating above and I was looking down. It's like this angel perspective, but you were in it. Like you were like, like in your own, I mean, obviously we are not our body, but source just flowing through you and consciously speaking um, to this man. That's that there's so much information to unpack in there. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I would love to like, yeah, just dive in and, and hear more about what that experience was when you were in, you know, when you were on the other side for that moment, you know, and what that felt like and who was around you? What were you, what were you experiencing in that moment when you were able to really reflect back to, you know, on your whole life and, and ask for forgiveness and, and what was that experience like for you? First of all, I want to make a distinction. I, I was not physically near death. You know, bullets had glanced off my skull. So I wasn't, I, I was close to death, but not you know, I was near to death, but but uh, I was not already dead. Mm -hmm. uh, I was I was fully alive, but I, my consciousness was ready to die. Mm -hmm. I was perfectly okay with it. Well, that's what's happening. That's what's happening, right? So I was in acceptance, and I think that allowed me to get out of my mm -hmm. body and and open up to source. Mm -hmm. And that and source's light was like warm honey, golden honey pouring through me. And just, you know, I was just loving everything, uh, including him. So mm. that was what I think transformed him primarily was the state of awareness and love that I was in, the peacefulness that I was in, allowed him to settle and, and transform as well. Mm. So um, being out of body at that, at that conscious level it was pretty interesting because without a body, I was just pure consciousness and aware of everything around me sort of 360 degree awareness including the van and the ground and the below the ground and the plants around the van and source and light and you know so it, it wasn't a typical near-death experience where the person goes through the tunnel and meets the the relatives and all that um it was close enough for me <laughs> <laughs> that's that's about as far as close as i want to get you know to that experience um so you know, maybe we could call it a near life experience. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but that, that state of awareness that is love, you know, that's what we're all going after. That's what your whole program is about. Right. So that love is the universal love. It's mm -hmm. the love of the universe for us and for everything. And being in that flow uh, enabled me to survive. In fact, uh, when I thought about it later, the, the physics of the bullet and my head was that I was so relaxed in my body that when the fourth bullet came, instead of blowing the top of my head off, it actually pushed my head aside and allowed it to glance off. Mm. And if I had had any tension in my neck because I was afraid or because I was angry, probably the outcome would have been quite different. Mm. So being in that relaxed state 
actually allowed me to survive. Wow. So I'm curious, you mentioned a little bit earlier about the subconscious mind. And so what have you learned with that experience and, and any other experiences? What have you learned about the subconscious mind and, and how can we benefit from your experiences of that? My real focus of attention is about beliefs because I believe that beliefs are the infrastructure of the human mind. Uh, and when I talk about beliefs, I'm not talking about mental constructs. You know, most people talk about it as, you know, I believe in Santa Claus or I don't believe in God. Uh, but but when we think about where these constructs come from, they come from our experience. And our experience is multidimensional. Right now, you're seeing and hearing and feeling and energetically connected to places and you're within an environment. So you are a multidimensional being having multidimensional experiences. And as a child, we're having the same thing. Um, but we're trying to put together the world, our, our way of surviving. And so even infants in the womb are starting to do pattern recognition. Uh, babies who are in the womb, who are fresh out of the womb, can actually recognize the mother's voice differentiated from another woman's voice. They, they do these experiments where the baby sort of orients toward one speaker or another, you know, and they turn toward the mother's voice. So they're already uh, in the womb. We are already putting together patterns and understandings. And these patterns and understandings are the beliefs that we construct our reality with. So a baby, an infant is trying to get their needs met. And so they may tr try a bunch of different things and come to the conclusion, if I cry and make a fuss, I will get cared for. And that's a great belief for a baby. And it's, it's, a, it's a beginning of a construct of a whole behavioral pattern they call them adaptive strategies or adaptive behaviors. And it, it would be nice if beliefs expired after a certain date, like meat at the meat counter, you know, it's like uh, this belief will expire at the age of five or until you're, you know, or as soon as you're able to take care of yourself, you know, that would be good. But they don't. They just get pushed down into the subconscious mind as new beliefs form. And so we get these stacks of beliefs that push everything else down below the conscious level. And you may know people, for example, who are still using the same belief strategy. If I cry and make a fuss, I'll get taken care of in their adulthood. Mm -hmm. right? So in fact, some of your listeners may be that person, but <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so these old structures will, you know, can still drive us. And our beliefs are the structures that we've put together for survival and thriving that still are running our system. I call it the human operating system. Now we have tens of thousands of beliefs. Mo most of them are neutral. You know, that is a cat. That's a belief, right? That's the word we use for that particular animal, um, but it's not emotionally driving. <laughs> but the belief I'm a terrible person or there's something wrong with me or I'm not worthy, those are the kinds of beliefs that drive us in a certain way, psychologically and behaviorally. And then we have positive beliefs, like I can do anything I put my mind to. That's a very positive belief. So we don't have to mess with the neutral or the positive beliefs, but the beliefs that are holding us back from expressing our true love, from expressing ourselves fully, from expressing our, our life purpose, those are the ones we need to clear out of the way because they're the ones that are interfering with that full expression of who we are. So my work has been about, I've taken over a hundred trainings and workshops to try to figure this stuff out. And I figured it out, which is really great. And now I teach what I figured out to other people so that they can help others clear their beliefs, clear these structures and these behavioral patterns uh, and inner voices that, that hold us back and prevent us from being our full self, expressing our full self in life. Mm -hmm. So do you think, um, you know, some of those beliefs, because I know a lot of people, you know, have these beliefs due to traumas that they've experienced, right? And I think, you know, so many people are walking around with a lot of trauma and may, may not even realize it, you know, and, and that could be even like neglect, you know, that happened and didn't, not getting their needs met, you know, and, and so how... How do you work with that, that energy, um, you know, when it's, you know, someone coming in with maybe some severe trauma or maybe, you know, because there's, you know, obviously different levels of degrees of trauma. 
Well, how are, how are you moving through some of that, like when you're working with someone with uh, working through beliefs? Well, you're exactly right. There's many different kinds of trauma. There's physical trauma, emotional trauma, mental trauma. There's uh, developmental trauma when your needs are not cared for properly. Mm -hmm. You know, baby comes into the world with certain needs, core needs, we could say. Um, and uh, my mother, for example, was was a, a good caregiver at the physical level. Like she took care of our physical needs. We were fed every morning. We were dressed. We were sent to school. We came home and we had lunch and dinner was prepared and that kind of thing. But she didn't fulfill our emotional needs because she mm -hmm. wasn't connected to her own emotional needs. Mm -hmm. She never got hers filled, so she couldn't fill ours. So that was one of the reasons why I was kind of a weird isolate because I didn't have any emotional connection. I didn't have any attachment to anyone or anything. And attachment is one of our needs. So uh, our traumas, the, the traumas, no matter whether they're mild or extreme, uh, form beliefs in us. We come to conclusions because we have to explain it to ourselves. And the way most children explain something bad that's happening to them is there must be something wrong with me. Because we can't blame our parents. Our parents are the ones that gave us birth. They're God and goddess in our universe, right? So they must be perfect. So there must be something wrong with me that I'm being beaten or that I'm not being fed or that I'm being neglected. And so that belief there's something wrong with me is the most common belief I've found in the world, cultures all over the world. Mm -hmm. And so that's it. when that's at your core, then you're walking around looking through that lens called there's something wrong with me. And what you see is evidence everywhere for what's wrong with you, which builds and reinforces that belief. So my work is to go to the belief layer, the, what I call the causal layer of the mind, and clear the belief structure. Because what happened to you happened to you. You know, you were, yeah, you were neglected, or yes, you were beaten. Or, but, but our physical wounds know how to heal, but our psychological wounds don't heal automatically. And so by clearing out the conclusion you came to from the trauma, the trauma is just a trauma that you heal from. Mm -hmm. It's not holding on to you. It's not gripping you and causing you to look through a certain lens or do a certain thing or react to certain people. Mm -hmm. So that's my work. So we, we do work with, with tra traumatized people, normally traumatized people, extremely traumatized people. Uh, and we're, we're, not, we're not trauma specialists in the sense that we're, we're not psychologists, we're coaches, but the methodology works to heal trauma and core wounds from the psyche because that's our target uh, for the processes that I develop. Root Healing is a team of Masoko Buiti science, medical, and hospitality professionals committed to providing safe and effective holistic healing services with iboga. They pair the profound traditional way of holding Buiti ceremonies with Western medical practices to ensure a safe and transformative experience. At Root Healing, they are dedicated to helping you heal, let go of the past, and discover the truth of who you are. Their hope is that Iboga can end your healing journey so that you can focus on enjoying the gift of life and being fully present in it. The mission is led by the core values of tradition, safety, study, reciprocity, equitable access, and comprehensive care, which ensures professional, effective, ethical, and responsible healing. Root Healing offers traditional Buiti Iboga retreats, Iboga detoxes, and specialized treatments in the locations of Sintra, Portugal, full-time, and Chiang Mai, Thailand, several times a year. Visit rootheeling.com to learn more, and you can see the link in our show notes for more details. Yeah, I can definitely personally identify with the, there's something wrong with me belief system that I took on as a as an adolescent and and yes I'm a coach as well and some of my clients also in some form have the I'm something wrong with me or I'm not enough and so our our whole lens of the world is skewed I think by that subconscious belief um, I'm curious though because I've also I've had my own personal frustrations with clearing those beliefs 
And I have different tools that I use for that. I'm curious, what do you use? I don't know if you'd call it a, a tool or a practice that someone can use to help clear some of those subconscious beliefs that isn't the, I hate to, I hate to like downplay affirmations, but I think people get really frustrated with like, oh, I'm just supposed to say an affirmation and it clears my subconscious belief and it goes away magically. And I'm like, no, no, no. Um, so like what tools do you use other than the affirmations, which I think people kind of take with a grain of salt? Like what what systems have you put into place to help with that? Well, first, I don't use affirmations for that very reason. Because they, <laughs> yeah. here's, here's the reason why they don't work and why most techniques don't work. As I said, we're multidimensional beings having multidimensional experiences, which result in multidimensional beliefs. And uh, an affirmation is just a mental construct that you're trying to put on top of another mental construct. Right. No, I, I, there's something wrong with me. I'm just fine. But <laughs> all you're doing is creating tension between the old belief and the new belief. So, so you get this, this, you're basically fighting against yourself. There's something wrong with me. I'm just fine. There's something wrong with me. I'm just fine. I'm just fine. Right. And, you know, whatever you resist persists, right? So that right. creates a persistent condition. And so you're basically trying to put a Band-Aid on cancer. And, and so that's why they don't work because mm -hmm. Band-Aids don't cure cancer. So to clear out that construct, we need to use a multidimensional process that goes down into the subconscious mind and changes the very structure that created the belief in the first place. We do that by a process that in psychology they call memory reconsolidation. We're going back and actually changing the past, uh, changing the memory of the past because memory is malleable. It's not fixed, right? So we use many different processes but one of them goes back into the past and actually changes what happened so that the belief is changed at that core level. Other processes, you know, you can tap all day uh, and clear the energetic signature of an old belief, but you're not necessarily clearing it from the subconscious or from, from the, the spiritual body or the mental body or the emotional body. You're clearing it from the energetic body, which is great. You feel better, but then you have to do it again the next day or the next hour because the old belief is still there, or you can beat on a pillow emotionally. You can get your emotions out and that's great. It feels wonderful afterwards, but two weeks later, you're back to the same beliefs because you haven't cleared it out from all the other parts of you. So my techniques are all based on a multidimensional approach, which clears it completely and permanently. So the belief that belief just isn't there. In fact, a lot of times after one of our processes, the, the client will say, what was my old belief again? And I say, well, I'm not going to tell you and I'm not, don't recreate it. It's gone. You know, if you don't even know what it was, it's really gone. And mm. um, I'll give you a great example. I was working with a psychotherapist who, um, who uh, had the, this feeling. She said, I, you know, I, I have a great life. Everything's wonderful. But I keep having this feeling of foreboding, like something bad's going to happen. And so I worked with her, cleared it. And I checked in with her a couple months later. I said, how are you doing? She said, well, it's amazing. After living my whole life with that feeling, it's just been gone and mm. it hasn't come back. So, well, not quite. She said, about two weeks ago, I had the thought something bad's going to happen. And then I realized, oh, I don't believe that anymore. And it went away. Mm. So that's the kind of results we get with our multidimensional approach. Wow. So it really sounds like going to the root of whatever issue someone's working on, finding that maybe core memory, and then doing the work around that to create a new, um, new memory. Is that like part of like the NLP process? Is that are you doing regression therapy with that? Like, what's that? What is that? I've never studied like, NLP or regression therapy. Okay. So uh, okay. People who have taken many other trainings, including NLP and, and pretty much anything you could imagine, uh, come into my training and they always say, wow, this, this sort of brings everything I've learned together. Mm. Now, now I have a complete understanding of why that process worked and why it didn't work and what I can do differently to make it work now. Okay. So it, it is a set of tools. Uh, and I tell people when you're in the training, just learn the tools, mm -hmm. forget your other, everything else, you know, but then after the training, integrate it with the tools you already know, because they are additive. It's like we have mm -hmm. a tool set. And, you know, if you, you call a handyman to your house, 
they've got all the tools on around their belt and in the in the truck so that no matter what the problem is they can get out the right tool and fix it and that's really what the clear beliefs method is is a tool set for clearing whatever is going on okay yeah i love that and so I'd love to learn more too about the imaginal realm. Is that similar to what you're you're talking about with that? And then, yeah, how how can we um, tap into that? That sounds really fascinating. Yeah, the imaginal realm was a, a concept that that uh, was created about a hundred years ago to describe the non-physical place where things happen. Mm-hmm. Like where where does our experience happen? You know, you can't open up the brain and find experience anywhere. Uh, you can't dissect the body and find experience anywhere or spirituality for that matter. So um, rather than taking a neurological approach, I studied neurology. So I, you know, I'm comfortable in that realm, but I don't find it useful because we don't change our brains uh, to change your brain. You need a drill and a scalpel, right? <laughs> but, but we change, we can change our experience and our memory of experience. Um, and so the imaginal realm is basically the, the place where, our dreams are, our thoughts are, when we go to daydream, the myths, like Carl Jung called it, the collective unconscious, uh, gods and goddesses of history. So the imaginal realm is, is the non-physical realm. That's kind of the easiest way to say it. And so we can work to the brain, uh, to the brain, the imagination is pretty much the same as experience, not, not 100%, but the, the brain doesn't make a big distinction between what you imagine and what you experience. And so we use that uh, to go into memory and go into imagination and create new realities. But you have to clear the old stuff first. Mm -hmm. It's like if you're going to create a garden where you want to grow flowers and vegetables, the first thing you do is you have to clear the soil of the rocks and weeds. Because if you just throw your seeds on rocky, weedy ground, you're not going to get much. But by clearing the ground first and then planting your seeds, then the the seeds have a a chance to grow. The affirmations, the new beliefs have a chance to grow if there's nothing interfering with them. And Mm -hmm. so that's the basis of our whole process is clear what's in the way first and then plant the seeds in this fresh ground. And now you have a new belief that you can actually live into without the interference of the old beliefs. So Mm -hmm. it sounds as though this like planting of seeds and cultivating these new beliefs is kind of a manifesting process. And I know you have written a book, Creating on Purpose, that goes more into manifesting. We've talked a lot about healing trauma. I'm curious also about how can we manifest our, you know, our goals or new beliefs or whatever a person comes to you with. We've maybe we've cleared. I mean, obviously, we need to clear the soil, like you mentioned. Um, How can we also use this process to manifest what we want to create in the world? Here's my theory, and it differs from a lot of other people's theory. Um, If you go to the core belief that's interfering and you clear it completely and you plant a new belief in that space, that new belief will manifest automatically if there's no interference. Now, we have tens of thousands of beliefs, and there's lots of them that are conflicting and contradict each other. So we have to have tools like weeds grow in the garden too, right? So you need to have a weed a weed puller <laughs> in your garden. And so we give these tools to our clients so that they can then from their, that point forward in their life, when an interfering belief pops up, which it does from time to time, get stimulated, um, you have a weed puller to pull it out. Uh, and then you can move forward. You can keep moving forward. Now, the one thing about manifestation that I think most books and trainings have missed is that you can't create in the physical or social world just with thought alone. The law of attraction doesn't work for most people. It does for some, but not for most. And that's because it's not, it's only one realm. And you need and the physical realm needs action, and the social realm needs relationships. And so if you want to create in the social realm, like money, for example, nobody ever had a bag of money fall in their head because they were saying affirmations as far as I know, (laughs) because money is exchanged for value. So you need to have an understanding of the social realms, like money's value exchange medium. So you create value in order to get money. You don't meditate to get money. 
You don't do yoga to get money unless you're a yoga teacher. <laughs> you have to be giving something of value, creating something of value that then people will exchange money for. Uh, in the physical realm, we don't manifest things, you, you, you know, manifest. If you're so good at manifesting, manifest a beer in my hand. Okay, well, <laughs> the physical reality doesn't manifest with thought. Physical reality manifests with taking material that already exists, creating something new, moving it, shaping it, coloring it, decorating it, and then packaging it and driving it to a store where it can be purchased with the money that you made by exchanging value. So, so you need to work in all three realms, the personal universe, which, where we can create our, our own experience, the social universe, where we have different rules of engagement, like collaboration and cooperation and communication. That's what manifests in the social world. In the physical realm, which is matter and energy, and you have to move it and shape it and, and, and that kind of thing. So um, you have to, to manifest your life, you need to operate in all three realms. You need to clear your, your own stuff in the way. You need to engage socially, and you need to engage in the physical world with action. So that's the key to manifestation that most people miss. Mm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I'm I'm curious too, like, cause I know a lot of manifestation, you know, processes talk a lot about the emotion and the, the feeling. Right. And so, so how do you, you know, as, as you're clearing out the old beliefs, which obviously brings in, you know, the negative energy and, and those, you know, the feelings around that, the low vibrational energy, you know, how, how do you work with the emotional piece when you're connecting with the, the new belief? Is it something that you're, that's automatically embodied? Is there, you know, does, is that question making sense as like how we magnetize what we're really trying to manifest? Well, first of all, if you think and feel a new belief, but you haven't cleared the interfering beliefs first, it's not going to go very far. It's going mm -hmm. to be another Band-Aid, right? Um, so is it better to feel and imagine? Yes, because you've involved two of the, the systems of the 12 or 15 we have. Uh, is it better to imagine, think, uh, feel, and take action? Yeah, then you're going to get somewhere. <laughs> but sitting around you know, meditating or saying affirmations is not going to change the world. Um, it might encourage you to do something different, but then you're taking action in the world and you'd better know how actions happen in the world in order to make it happen. So um, yeah, feeling is just one of the systems. We have, we're, we're physical beings, emotional beings, spiritual beings, mental beings, energetic beings, economic beings, political beings. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're cultural beings. We're, we, we have energies and we're in the midst of energy. So we need to be aware of all of those systems and work in cooperation with each of them because they all operate under different rules and different methodologies. So that's what I teach is how to get the whole system working together in all of the different realms so that you can actually create what you want in life. And it's not that hard, really. Mm -hmm. It's just that you have to be aware of all of them and not skip any of them in order to create what you want in life. Mm. So how, how do you see like the work you do in the world at, from a bigger picture, like supporting our whole world um, in healing? Like what is your macro vision for the work that you do? That's a great question. I love that. Uh, first of all, I, my whole life, I was looking for the best leverage, like, um, uh, Buckminster Fuller talks about the trim tab and Archimedes talked about if I had a lever long enough and I had a place to stand, I could move the world, right? So where do, you, where do you get the most leverage to move or change the world? And for me, the answer became beliefs. If we can change our beliefs at the core level, we can change our social beliefs, our cultural beliefs, our family beliefs, our historical beliefs, um, but then we still need to change. If we want to change the world, we need to engage in social action. If you want to change a law, you have to change. You can't just revolt and say, I'm not going to follow the law. You have to work within the law, within the structures of, of government in order to change a law. And then you can change the world. You know, it, it, it didn't take just people thinking about 
uh, civil rights to make civil rights happen. It took decades of social action to change the laws of the land so that so that it, it, it wasn't there anymore. And, we're, and that's a constant battle because there's other people that want to change it back, you know, to the way it was 100 years ago. So uh, social action is where we change the world. And but first we have to change ourselves, because if you do social action without changing yourself first, then you're kind of a mess going out to try to change a mess. <laughs> and that's not very helpful. <laughs> so uh, so I, I think it all starts here, but it but it starts with awareness of all the systems and an understanding of how to work each of the systems and then having the tools to work in each of those systems. So uh, I'm very big on changing the world. I think the world needs changing. And uh, my friend Swami Biondananda says, hopefully the world will grow up and it won't, it's diaper won't need to be changed anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I totally agree. You know, we're, and that's part of our mission of, you know, this podcast is really, helping to, you know, plant seeds for people, um, that there's other ways that they don't have to be, you know, living, they don't have to live the same way that they've always lived. And, but, but it does start with us. We can't expect to, you know, just, you know, snap our fingers and, and the world's going to be changed. We have to all do our inner work, you know, cause as we're doing our inner work, we're going to see the outer shift as well. And, and, and just, I, I just have a, a question and, and maybe um, another plant seed that can be planted, but, you know, you were able to access that energy, that divine energy in your experience as, you know, as that close to near death experience. And so, that's energy that we all have access to before we, you know, get to that point, right? I've felt it many, many times. And, you know, and I have, I've never had a near-death experience, but I'm just wondering in your experience, in your words, maybe over the lifetime that you've been doing this work, how can we, you know, really truly access that, that divine energy in a way that um, is palpable for us? First of all, I don't think we need to access it. I think we need to remember mm. that we're already mm. accessing it all the time. Mm. I love that. There's one thing that I learned from that experience. It's like that's there all the time. It's it, I'm not separate from it. The delusion of separateness is the real issue here. Mm. Is that you know if if you believe you're separate from the universe, if you believe you're separate from God, separate from other people that is your reality because you're creating your reality with your beliefs. So the clearing of the beliefs brings you back to your natural state, which is always already connected to everything. And so it's really, for me, it's a remembering process. It's a reminding process. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm not separate. I actually am connected to the earth and the sky and the sun and the stars and the, and other people and the society and the history. And it's like, we are always already connected we're always already connected to the divine because we are the divine. We are mm. what the divine is doing. And so when you recognize that, you can kind of relax back and go, okay, so this is this part of the divine doing this job at this moment in this place with these people. And that's pretty cool. <laughs> so, so it's not, uh, we don't have to go anywhere or mm. do anything to remember that it's always here with us. It's just shifting our perspective and remembering that it's always already there. Mm. And that is the absolute perfect way to begin to wrap up our beautiful conversation. Um, thank you so much for that reminder that yes, there is, there is no separation. And I think that's something that, uh, that we need to hear all the time, every day, multiple times, and so, Lion, <laughs> please tell our listeners uh, where they can find you and what you're currently working on. Great. Uh, first of all, we offer free monthly events in which we explore beliefs in different areas, you know, sexuality and relationship, money and finance. Um, and so people can sign up for those free monthly events at beliefrelief.net. That's an easy way to, to get involved with what we do. Um, if you're a coach or a therapist or a healer uh, and are interested in the training, the Clear Beliefs uh, training, uh, that is clearbeliefs.com. And if people want to 
be coached by me, they can go to liongoodman.com. Also, my near-death stories there on that site. Uh, and uh, if you read through the whole story, it's called Lion's Near-Death Experience. Um, at the bottom of the story, there's a link to the movie that was made based on my story. It's pretty cool, the award-winning film that was done based on my story. Um, so uh, lots of resources there at liongoodman.com, beliefrelief.net for our free events and clear beliefs for our training. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Lion. And we will add your website and contact info to our show notes so people can easily find you. And so thank you so much for being here today and sharing this beautiful conscious conversation. Thank you, Stacy. Thank you, Brenda. Pleasure mm-hmm. to be with you. Call me anytime. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Be the Love Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to our show, please share the love by sharing it with your family and friends, giving us a five-star written review on iTunes or and Spotify, or liking us on Facebook. And please consider supporting our mission to awaken our souls with a monthly donation that helps us with the operating costs of this podcast so we can continue to spread the love. To contribute, visit our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast. And stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Time. Are you thinking of starting a podcast this year? Or perhaps you're a seasoned podcaster and you're looking for someone to take the podcast production off your plate. If so, we are currently taking on new clients and would love to be your production partner of choice. My name is Chelsea Weaver and I am the owner of Chelsea Weaver Podcasting. I offer podcast startup packages, audio and video editing, plus show notes, graphics, and reels. So consider us a one-stop shop for all your podcast needs. A little bit about me, I have over five plus years of experience in audio and video production. I am an army veteran who served in Afghanistan during Operation Enduring Freedom. I partner with other female veterans who are also experienced in podcast production and social media services. We'd love to chat with you about your podcasting and social media needs and can be reached at chelseaweaverpodcasting.com. That's C-H-E-L-S-E-A-W-E-A-V-E-R podcasting.com. Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Christy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphic. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey to align to our divine purpose and shine our lights. So keep on shining.